Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Aqua Girl Pod Ventures, episode 40, Atlanta True Crime. And I am joined by the lovely ladies of the Fall Line podcast, Brooke and Laurel. Welcome, ladies. Thanks. Hey, thanks for having us. No, thank you, guys. It's such an honor. Um, I just want to tell everybody how I found out about you guys. I was looking at Oxygen and I was looking at the Millbrook Twins episode and I was just so intrigued. Uh, I'm, I'm a true crime um, fanatic, so um, I'm always looking at stories on ID and Oxygen and everything. So I noticed that you guys had a podcast. So I said, like, you know what? I can listen to them at work. And so I just got I got lost in the podcast in a good way. So I started with the Millbrook Twins and then I you know, saw the Atlanta Ripper and then uh, the uh, the Shy Shy, I can't remember her, her real name, uh, Shamiki, I want to mispronounce it, I need to look it up real quick. Shykimia. Yes, Shykimia. Yeah. And so, and then what we're going to get into a little later, what really blew my mind was the Grady Babies kidnapping. And I was just so impressed on how detailed that you covered everything. So let me get into um, a few things that's going on around Atlanta for Black History Month. And I want to wish everybody a happy Valentine's Day as well. And then we're going to get right into the topic at hand. So um, one of my favorite places to, to visit around the city is the King Center. That is open you know, all month and all year. And you can visit like Martin Luther King's birth home. That's something safe that you can do and socially distant. Uh, just check the times because I know a lot of places around the city has changed um, due to the COVID restrictions. So just check the times for your visit. The Apex Museum off of Avenue, uh, Auburn Avenue is great as well. And another one of my favorites is the National Center for Human and, excuse me, I can't talk today. Um, the National Center for Civil and Human Rights downtown is another great place to visit if you want to get out the house and, you know, do a little ripping and running around town and also check their times as well, because I know the times has been altered for visitation as well. So those are a couple of my recommendations, you know, because I know a lot of my friends are not going out. But if you want to go out during the month, those are a few places that you could check out this month. So, um. Brooke and Laura, I just want you guys to give yourself a, a brief introduction of how you guys started the podcast and everything, and then we'll get into the Grady Babies kidnapping. Sure. So we have been friends for a long time. We've known each other since college, and we both moved back to Atlanta. We're from Atlanta, and we moved back after college, and around the time that we both started raising our kids, I was teaching a class at GSU where I was using some true crime stories to help my students learn to research. And as I was teaching them to learn to research, I wanted them to understand how difficult or easy it can be to gain access to certain information in archives. And I had recently heard about the Milberg's case. So in class, I decided to pull up that podcast. I'm sorry, pull up that case. Um, on the overhead and when my students and I looked at it it was really clear that there were almost no sources available on the case so we had a talk about um, a lot of the social issues around that like this concept called missing white woman syndrome which is really really prevalent in true crime which are 
the cases of the coverage are young, middle-class to upper-middle-class women and girls, and pretty much everyone else is not going to be getting that coverage. Mm-hmm. And as I kept going, um, I just kept thinking about the fact that there was no good information source on this case. And I felt like one thing that I could do with practical help because I'm an academic is perhaps help build that resource to help gather information. Well, yeah, I, I love the work that you ladies have done because I'm from Atlanta, but somehow I didn't know about the Grady Baby's kidnappings. And I, I feel ashamed in some sort of way. I was aware of, of, of the Atlanta child murders because I knew people that, you know, was involved in that, that had, you know, unfortunately, uh, one day family members involved in the case. So um, I was aware about that, but this totally blew my mind and it's so heartbreaking. So I'm going to let you explain, kind of summarize, because I know it started from 1978 to 1996 and um, just kind of give us a summary of, you know, what was happening during that time. And I have a couple of questions for you ladies as well. So first off, you shouldn't feel ashamed because there was just no coverage. <laughs> okay. And yeah. You know, there's just absolutely no coverage of most of these cases. I was able to find some of them in the archives, and one or two of the cases, Shante Alexander and Tavish Sutton, did get a lot of coverage in the local paper. But a few of the cases got almost none. I mean, I had to really dig to find anything. So Grady Memorial Hospital um, was number one in the nation for infant kidnappings for a period of time. And that would have been from the early 1980s until about 1996, based on NICMEC statistics. And that's the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. From that 83 to 96, there have been five. That's what kind of got us started looking at it. Several of the kids were actually at the hospital. Some were on the maternity ward. There was just a number of kidnappings kind of speak to the way that Grady was laid out. And also the issues running to a county hospital where there's not enough mm-hmm. to have security guards on every floor. You know, what really kind of, you know, I do want to talk about the Raymond Green, um, kind of focus on that at first, because that kind of just tore me up inside, uh, because I know he wasn't officially kidnapped from Grady, you know, the Lisa, what's her name, you know, befriended Miss Green, and he was abducted from the home. And I just want to. Yeah, but. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you want, I could talk about that a little bit. Yes, please. So. Raymond's mother, Donna Green, um, had him at Brady. And he was her second baby. While she was there, she came into contact with a woman who started being nice to her. Um, She saw her in front of the windows of the nursery and said, oh, did you have a baby? Which one is yours? Um, And Donna sort of felt like this was just a friendly woman. Um, She sort of started talking to her, and this woman said that she was there because her sister had just had a baby. And she started sort of popping by Donna's room to visit a little bit, and she would say, oh, my sister's asleep. I don't want to bother her. Can I come sit in here with you for a little bit? Um, and, and so Donna started having conversations with her and Donna was real young at the time and she sort of felt like this might be a friend that she was making. 
Um, she didn't have anyone at the hospital with her. I think her mom had to work. Um, I think maybe Raymond's dad was at work. And so she was there by herself, mm-hmm. a young person. And um, she really felt like she was sort of making friends with this woman who called herself Lisa Morris. Um, and at some point, Donna woke up in the night and she probably was a little bit medicated, but definitely so sleepy. And she thought she saw this woman, Lisa, coming out of her closet. She was either coming out of it or going into it. And Donna said, what are you doing? Like, it's after visiting hours. You're going to get in trouble. And I think she made some excuse and just said, no, it's okay. Go back to sleep. Um, And Donna didn't think anything of it. So... Um, Later on, when it was time for her to leave with the baby, um, she had relatives come pick her up, and Lisa sort of made her way over to where they were and asked for a ride, so her relatives said sure, and they brought Donna and the baby home first, Um, so at that point, this woman, Lisa, knew where Donna lived. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she lived in Carver Homes. Yeah. At the time. Um, so, so a few days later, Donna was at her house hanging out. Her brother was there. She was with the baby. Um, and who knocks on the door but Lisa? And she said she was kind of taken aback. Like, how did you get here? What, sort of what she was wondering what she was doing there. And Lisa acted real casual. Oh, I'm just here to visit. And long story short, Donna, they sort of had visited for a while. Donna was kind of hoping she would leave. And so she said, I'm going to go take a shower, hoping she might take the hint. And Lisa didn't and said, oh, well, I'll just stay here and wait until you're done. So Donna told her brother, watch the baby. I'm going to take a shower. And she left him sleeping on the couch, um, the baby. She went upstairs. She said she kind of had a funny feeling, and she kind of rushed her shower. When she came back down, the baby was not in the same place she had left him. And she sort of woke up her brother, who was, like, nodding um, back and forth, sleep and waking on the couch, and said, where's the baby? And he said, oh, he started, you know, fussing. So um, your friend picked him up and took him outside. So she went outside, and she was nowhere to be seen. So, you know, I think Donna started sort of, like, screaming and trying to ask neighbors, like, has anyone seen this woman? Where's Has someone seen a baby go by? And they said, yeah, we saw a woman with a baby. She went down to the bottom of the hill and got in a car and sort of sped off. So that began Donna's journey. Yeah, And he is still looking for her son, who could potentially be living in Atlanta. Absolutely. In his early 40s. And that's what's, I mean, him are close in age. So when I heard this story, I was just like, you know, what if I've been mixing around with, you know, because we're in the same age bracket. He could have been right. going to the same schools because I went to Atlanta public schools. Because you, you never know. So that's it kind of hit hard for me because I was just like, I feel so sorry for Donna that she didn't get the coverage that she needed. And, you know, I want to, you know, help spread the word 
And I know that they have some facial uh, progressions of his baby picture as well. I'm going to try to get some of those and share it on social media as well to try to see if we can, you know, get, you know, the word out. Because I was so shocked. Yeah, I was just so shocked that this was happening and I had no clue about it. You know, because I was a teenager in 1996. You know, I grew up in the 80s. I was a teenager in, in the 90s. So it's just like I heard nothing you know, coverage wise. And, you know, in my household, my mom always looked at, you know, Channel 2 or Fox 5 for news. So I'm constantly was sitting there listening, you know, growing up, what was going around the city and nationwide, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's when this happened, there was, I'm sorry, when this happened, there was only um, one very small article in the sort of back of the paper. It wasn't on the front page. There was no picture. So, you know, the community had no idea. Mm-hmm. There was there was no news story like, please look out, look out for this baby or someone who showed up with a baby. Um, so that opportunity was lost. Right. So um, can you share about Donna's um, foundation? Because I do want to, you know, somehow get involved and, you know, Whatever needs to be done, I, I want to, you know, lend a helping hand for her and her family, you know. Yeah, Laura, you want to take that one? Yeah, Donna has started a foundation, a foundation, and it's called the Raymond Green International Outreach of Hope. And they're really close to getting nonprofit status. They may actually already have it. We're actually on the board Um, of this foundation and what Donna does is she's kind of building on the work that she did with NICMEC and with Q which is a missing persons organization in North Carolina she does a lot of different stuff to help families so she'll do things like go around and a spotlight on the missing is what she calls it okay and she'll go to a place where there's been um, a missing person someone like Raymond who got little to no attention and she did this for the twins. Um, she's done some things, uh, you know, Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, South Carolina, like all over the place. She's done several in Atlanta, um, cases that got very little attention. And she'll hand out flyers. Um, they will really just try to center it on the family and make sure the family gets attention for this case. And the family knows then that their child or the family member is not forgotten because Donna always felt like people didn't show up for her. Mm-hmm. And so her goal is to show up for other people. Awesome. Like every time. You know, so mm-hmm. that's what that's the whole mission of her her life goal now is to show up for people, whether that means driving six hours to Tennessee or, you know, going down in the rain, you know, to stand at the Capitol and, you know, work on when fundraising plans like that's just what she's going to do i love her energy too that's that's perfect you know turning her tragedy into inspiration and try to help other people so that's that's so motivating yeah so donna does a yearly gala in honor of raymond and she has said before that this she feels like this is an opportunity for people to show up for him in a way that maybe they did not back when this happened. 
Um, it's a wonderful opportunity to raise money for her foundation and all the different things that she does. Um, but honestly, it's just a great way for us to get to witness all the incredible work that she's doing. Um, so we can get you that information yes, please. Um, when we know about the next date okay. for the gala um, so that you might be able to, you know, put it wherever. Absolutely. I definitely want to share with my audience and, you know, see if they're willing to contribute as well, because I think, you know, she deserves, you know, anything, you know, any share or any mention of this, because I I even, you know, spoke to a lot of my friends that I grew up with. I was like, did you know about this? And none of us really knew. Our parents um, knew, but we, I was just like so baffled that none of us, if completely, I guess it would have because we were kids and we really wasn't paying attention to, you know, heavy news like that. So, but I've, I've been spreading the word of it to everyone. Mm-hmm. So um, I do have another one because I, you know, I do want to have some kind of victory moment. I know it was another young lady that was actually, you know, reunited with her mother. Uh, what's her name? Shanta Alexander. I hope I'm saying her name. I'm Shanti horrible. Alexander. Yeah, I'm horrible with names. So I, I don't want to, you know, no disrespect to the family or anybody, you know, happen to come across the podcast because I have a unique name too, so I always try to pronounce people's name correctly. But yeah, so I, she was actually, you know, abducted from the hospital, correct? Yeah, 1981. So this was a couple years after Raymond, because he was 1978. Mm-hmm. And Shantae's case, I bet if your parents remember, this is the case they're remembering. Yes. Because Shantae's case was all over the news. And she, this happened a year before I was born. So I was born in 82. Yeah. And she was only 11 hours old when she was kidnapped from the neonatal unit. Wow. And it was just a really strange situation. Um, She was the final child in her family. Um, I believe her mother had had four or five boys. And she was like, please, now time for a daughter. Because, you know, back then, she didn't know until the baby came. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she and her husband were so excited. They had their daughter and she was at the hospital alone because he'd gone home to take care of the boys. And she was had this roommate who was actually really odd and unfriendly, which was, you know, strange because at, at the time, most people did have roommates. Um, when Brooke was talking about Donna and um, the woman who was coming to her room, Donna had a single at the time, which was really unusual. Most mm-hmm. of the time you were going to have a roommate. And they actually would have the older mothers on one wing and the younger mothers on another wing. Wow. That was kind of laid out. And yeah, sort of, this is just what we came across in articles. They would have like young moms. And I mean, Shantae's mom was like 28, 30, but you know, in 81, that yeah. was a mature mom, I guess. I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. so she was in this room with this woman and the woman got up to go use the phone, which Shantae's mom, Sandra, thought was kind of strange because you just had a baby. Your husband just left. Like, why are you getting up and running to use the phone? Um, their baby born in the room at the time. The nurse hadn't brought them back in. But she was like, okay. And then the woman gets back down, you know, into the bed, the curtain around, gets back up, looks up for her, back in, the curtain around. And eventually the strange woman comes in and Shantae's mom thinks that the roommate may have called her. 
But what comes to pass is that strange woman that takes Shantae, puts her into an Avon bag, and leaves the hospital. Man. And some of the difficulty that happened in their case was that her mom immediately tried to find a nurse, and the nurse's station was empty. Oh, wow. Um, then she tried to have someone call security, and the phone line was busy. Um, and I believe they were on the ninth floor. So they had to make their way on the elevator. It may have been the 11th floor, all the way down to the ground floor to find security to tell them that a baby had gone missing. Um, so all this time had passed, and that's one of the many factors that comes together to make this possible when the hospital is sometimes understaffed, um, people are playing multiple roles, um, they don't have as many resources, and a phone can end up being busy and they can't get in touch with security. Um, there may not be as many security officers as they would like. There was not a security officer on that floor. Um, I believe they were all sort of on the ground floor. Um, but as the case moved along, um, in this case, the police really did an excellent job getting a sketch done quickly, getting that sketch released on the news. It was circulating. People knew about it. They knew to be looking out for someone who looked like this sketch, who had showed up with a baby. Um, and sure enough, they were able to get her back. I think, Laura, was it six weeks? It was later. Yeah, yeah it was somewhere in that period of time. They were able to match a birthmark that she had, and then the family had to go through a series of blood tests to prove that she was theirs because it was 1981. It was a really stressful, you know, week or so afterwards. Yeah. Wow. And what's amazing to me and so wonderful is that Shantae's experience growing up, knowing that this had happened to her, she felt this love for the men, the detectives who had found her and reunited her with her family. And so she decided that she might want to do something similar. And I believe she's in Clayton County now. Okay. Um, in their office. That's awesome. I'm um, doing a law enforcement career. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is perfect. Yeah. Oh, well, I think I'm going to wrap it up. I didn't want to make it too long. I just wanted to touch on those two and bring some light to that situation of the Grady baby kidnapping. And um, I'm definitely going to connect with you both to get, you know, information and donate as well. And, you know, try to be a voice for Miss Green because, you know, um, I've, I'm a huge fan of you ladies now. I love your podcast. I, I listen. Uh, how long? I, I swear in a week I went through like a couple of seasons. I had skipped around because <laughs> I, I started with the Millbrook twins and then I saw the Grady baby so I had to listen to that next and then I went to uh the Cynthia uh story and then I just was bouncing around to all the Atlanta ones <laughs> first and then I, I just wrapped up the Samuel Little uh season like uh at the end of last week so you your ladies keep up what you're doing and you have a forever fan in me just know that 
Oh, awesome. So, Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. I'm glad I stumbled across that uh, episode on oxygen that day because I was just looking for stuff because, you know, we've been in the pandemic of stuff to watch. And so I was like, oh, this is something I haven't seen this episode. And so I said, let me sit down and watch this. So it was a great discovery. Well, you have a new listener in me too. I've been listening to yours and I'm on your, I'm subscribed. So. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> me too. So yeah. I, all right. I'm going to close it out with my positive affirmation as I always do. So for this episode is I deserve the best and I accept it now. All my needs and desires are met before I even ask. And also people just make sure you please subscribe and leave a review. It helps new followers come to the show and hear excellent information like this. So please tell a friend. And ladies, do you have anything um, to promote or, you know, any new episodes that you're launching as well? You can share with my audience. Yeah, we actually have a series coming out um, this week on Georgia Moses. I don't know if your audience is familiar with her, but it's one of our national cases. Okay. And Georgia Moses is from uh, Santa... It's Santa Rosa, California, right, Brooke? Petaluma. She was she she was killed in Petaluma, but I believe okay. she's from Santa Rosa. Um, and she was a little girl that died in the late 1990s. We didn't get a lot of news coverage. Okay. So we're working with her sister Angel to really put her story first and have it told the way that Angel feels like it should have been told in the first place because the family's voice has never really been out there and featured before in the media. So that's what we have coming up this week next. Perfect. I'll be locked in because I'm caught up now. So thank <laughs> awesome. you, ladies. And until next thank time, you. you guys, y'all stay safe, wear your mask over your nose and mouth and wash your hands. Mwah.